0: Welcome to iScan in Conversation, where we talk about cybersecurity, military defense, crisis communications, and much more with industry experts from around the globe. Stay tuned.
1: You know, it's also, I think, a warning to the Taiwanese uh, just a couple of days or so before uh, Taiwan's National Day, October the 10th, not to step too far out of line, as the Chinese would see it. In other words, not to get closer or, or even worse to say uh, that Taiwan is independent. President uh, Tsai uh, of Taiwan has indicated on several occasions in the past that she is not intending to do anything of the sort. She goes further, though, and says, look, we have no need to make a declaration of sovereignty or independence. We're already a sovereign country. That's a sort of way of getting out of it so that everybody's happy. You know, other reasons though, I think, why they're doing this now, uh, the formation very recently, of that new alliance uh, that riled the French so much mm-hmm. because of the sale of the submarines that was lost, uh, AUKUS, uh, Australia, the United Kingdom, and the United States, which although doesn't state that it's intended as an alliance against China quite clearly is an alliance intended to contain China, uh, particularly in the South South China Sea, but more broadly uh, in uh, Indo-Asia as well. Uh, It's, I I suppose, uh, Beijing saying, look, you can form your alliances if you like, But bear in mind, there's going to be a price to be paid for this. Uh, Our relations are going to get sour, sourer. There will always be the possibility of you getting sucked into something that you don't really want to be sucked into.
2: That was uh, an October 5th segment from France 24 TV outlining China's increased engagement in and around Taiwan's territory. As highlighted in part one, we've seen this and also we've talked about that in part two, Taiwan is a crucial element to the various moves that are currently happening in the South China Sea. Uh, we'd like to welcome everyone to part three of our Japan's new defense posture, net assessment and regional implications. And today we're talking about the Taiwanese evolving position. I'm very pleased to welcome Euster Yu, Arnold Suprero, and hosting today, again, is James Chow. My name is Andrew Vasco. I'm the managing director of IceCan Group. And with that, I'll, I'll hand it over to James as we start this discussion, which once again, uh, a lot to unpack. Thanks, Andrew. As we begin part three in the series, it's very important to highlight the importance of Taiwan as it was specifically mentioned in the recently released white paper correlating the defense of Taiwan to the defense of Japan. So, Arno, why is Taiwan so important that this year's Japan White Paper specifically mentions the country? Let's remind everyone what language was used in the White Paper. It stated the stability of the situation around Taiwan is important not only for the security of our country, but for the stability of the international community. Our country must pay close attention to this with an even greater sense of vigilance. So that was from the Japan White Paper. Arno?
3: Thank you, James. So Taiwan is definitely a strategic, strong strategic part of the, this whole um, situation in, in Asia. One of the reasons is Taiwan, from a Japanese perspective, is just around 100 kilometers from um, the Okinawa Island chain. So it's, it's, it's very close to Japanese territory. Obviously, in in Japan, uh, Okinawa is hosting a large amount of US troops, uh, around more than 50,000, and a lot of uh, advanced um, equipment, hardware, uh, stealth fighter and so on. So this is definitely important to the U.S. and um, Japan. And given the fact that the U.S. And, and Japan have strong alliance, is even more important. But more than that, Taiwan is part of the first island chain, which comprises of Taiwan and Okinawa, which is part of the containment uh, strategy against China. So if we are seeing China um, breaking through that first uh, island chain, there would be a major a disruptor within the Asia-Pacific security landscape. And that is what is driving a lot of um, attention because there will be, if China breaks through, they will be able to expand even more uh, exactly that, what we have been seeing and what we are seeing currently in the South China Sea. So I'm um, on one hand, you have this uh, security issue, on your, and on the other hand, you're saying may the Quad, different nations, promoting an open and free Indo-Pacific. So, this is definitely one of the reasons why Taiwan is so instrumental to the stability of uh, Asia security.
4: Uh, in addition to uh, what Arnold had just mentioned uh, about the first island chain and the strategic location, strictly from from Japan's point of view and strictly from the military operation point of view, uh, Japan hosts the largest U.S. Ford deployment base and is a treaty ally of the United States. So, if there's a crisis that would involve Taiwan and the United States decides to intervene, Japan will most certainly be involved. And once it gets gets involved, uh, it, it would become uh, a target uh, of China's uh, perhaps missile strikes or cyber operations.
2: Thanks, Arno and and Euster. So, sticking with Euster, uh, as as Japan has pivoted towards Taiwan. What's the relationship between these two countries in light of the new Japanese Prime Minister, uh, Fumio Kishida, and what could change in your view?
4: don't think that there's going to be much change uh, with the new Prime Minister uh, because uh, I know for a fact that for the past uh, at least a couple of decades, Uh, Some leading Japanese uh, political leadership leaders are very uh, friendly to Taiwan and the leaders like uh, Abe and Aso are strong supporters uh, of Taiwan Uh, and also uh, Primarily because this with the United States leading the way to hedge against China, I don't expect uh, the new prime minister to change course uh, vis-a-vis Taiwan. The one factor that could potentially affect the uh, relationship and interaction of the two countries uh, might be the probability. uh, Although I feel it's the, the possibility is very small that. The KMT returns to power uh, in two years uh, in Taiwan's presidential election. Uh, they are uh, less Japan friendly, to say the least.
2: So it could still change as as the political winds inevitably shift over time. So let me ask everyone: uh, This has the Hong Kong situation played into Japan's and other nations' alignment with Taiwan? Or perhaps not? Arno Euster, how has Hong Kong factored into all of this? I, I personally
4: believe that uh, the effect... Uh, uh, there might be some effects, but uh, it's minimal because, as I said, I mentioned earlier, uh, Japan, uh, especially the leading political leaders, uh, had been very friendly and, and very supportive of Taiwan. Uh, it, it's that uh, it, without the, the United States leading the charge, Japan in the past have been uh, less overt, and and now with with the change in attitude of the United States, uh, Japan is now more overtly for leaning on Taiwan.
3: Well, I think it does signal that China is definitely becoming more assertive. It's willing to to do whatever it takes to um, to reinforce their strategic positioning as a global leader. So the question that was uh, was asked. After Hong Kong was, is Taiwan next, and if Taiwan next is Southeast Asia next, so um, I think that's it, it. increases the anxiety towards um, towards China as we uh, the China's intention are not very clear, and um, so I think that's again to my to um, some point I made earlier. It compels uh, U.S. allies to work more closely together.
2: So let me turn to. Uh, a recent video, and for all of you, I'd like your thoughts on Taiwan's uh, foreign minister Joseph Wu, his comments recently on Australian ABC TV, and and we'll play it here.
0: That is something that we have been watching very carefully. Uh, in you know real life world, there's not a black and white situation, but we are very concerned that China is going to launch a war against Taiwan at some point. Uh, even though the threat may not be imminent at this point, but there might be some conditions uh, that China may use force against Taiwan. Uh, For instance, if their internal situation is getting uh, more serious than before, and in the very classical way of understanding about the authoritarianism, they might launch a crisis externally in order to divert domestic attention. So in the recent Uh, power ration or power outages in China. That is something that we have been observing very carefully because we are concerned if the domestic discontent or economic slowdown is getting very serious, Taiwan might become a target of this authoritarianism. To divert its domestic attention.
4: Uh, That's one point I want to clarify. There's been uh, confusion, or uh, some of the the titles would read uh, China's incursion into Taiwan airspace. If you look at the graphs provided by Taiwan's Ministry of National Defense, that they're actually operating at the southwest corner of Taiwan's ADIZ. Uh, which is um, not uh, airspace, not Taiwan's sovereign airspace. And if you look carefully even more carefully you see that um, the the operation w- uh, took place closer to China than to Taiwan. In addition, the Taiwan ADIZ, uh, actually covered a huge area in, It extends into three provinces of, of China. So I just want to first make uh, clarify this point. And it's not to say that this is not Chinese provocation. I think it is. But as I mentioned, uh, it took place much closer to China than to Taiwan. And with so many sorties and activities over there, if Taiwan were to scramble... Fighters to identify or or take actions uh, in that area, it will create a lot of wear and tear on the fighters and a huge burden in logistics and pilot fatigue, and not to mention the increased possibility of accidents. Uh, that's that's one first thing I wanted, or first point I wanted to make. And second point is that. Uh, Minister Wu had said that uh, we're preparing for war with China, with China and uh, like minded country like Australia uh, might provide assistance. I want to say that uh, nobody likes war and we want to be careful what we wish for because we might actually get it.
3: Yeah, what. Following on uh, Euster's point, we have seen the, one of the largest uh, Chinese military incursion into the uh, air defense identification zone. This is a trend that we have seen building for the last two years. So it's not the exact Taiwan airspace like to mentioned, but it's definitely a clear indication that China is, is becoming more uh, aggressive. That is for sure. There has been also the um, the comment from the, uh, the defense minister that China could be capable of mounting a full-scale invasion by 2025, so we're seeing a lot of that rhetoric um, towards uh, China, and I think yeah, it's it's, it's, uh, it's a it's dangerous uh, development because the more hardware, your military hardware, you're putting into one place, AUKUS is also signaling a more uh, military hardware within the region. The more hardware you have, it does increase the possibility of having an accident. And an accident can escalate very rapidly.
2: Thanks, Arno and, and Euster. So before we go, wanted to get everyone's thoughts on, on what's next. What should we be watching for?
3: Yeah, so um, I think it's interesting to see uh, whether AUKUS uh, will have any impact on Taiwan's uh, security partnership with the U.S., or whether there will be another significant arms sales from the U.S. to Taiwan. We have seen for the last 30 years all the different U.S. administrations providing large military equipment to Taiwan. And this has been the case under Obama's administration, under Trump administration, uh, Biden earlier this year reauthorized uh, some to equipment be, to be sold. So I think the, the trend is that Taiwan is gonna be increasingly important to Japan security, to the US um, commitment to Asia, and we might see in development um, between Australia as, as well. So, um, yeah, I think this is the one of the key takeaways of the uh, discussion, and, and, and just a couple of days ago, we have seen uh, Japan um, having some exercises with its first new um, aircraft carrier. Uh, it's actually, it's a helicopter, carrier, sorry, which has been converted to an aircraft carrier, the Izumo class, capable of carrying F-35Bs. So it, it does increase uh, Japan's capability to project its power uh, within uh, the Taiwan Strait as well. So I, the trend that I'm seeing here is we're going to see um, more and more tension around, around security and military aspect and, put in, and also more partnerships as well.
2: Thanks, Arno, and and yeah, thanks for mentioning the, those uh, so-called helicopter carriers. The U.S. Marine F thirty five Bs were flying off them this past week, in fact, in uh, in some tests to make sure that the carrier is ready. And then over to you, Eustre. Any any final thoughts? To me, it
4: does it does look like uh, this is a much like Athens versus uh, Sparta in the. Peloponnesian War uh, two and a half millennia ago, and both Japan and Taiwan are caught in this great power rivalry, and both Japan and Taiwan are clearly all in on the U.S. side. And this is not good or bad. Uh, this is just how the, the the what the the fundamental question is how China would interpret this uh, situation uh would China believe that time is not on their side and they are being forced to take actions uh faster than they would love to they would like to uh with a lot of uh, symbolism like like we we are witnessing uh in, in the, the the U.S. is extending to Taiwan and and, like you mentioned, uh, U.S. Marine Corps landing f 35s on a Japanese warship. Uh, would this uh, irritate and, and force China to interpret that that China is losing in this competition, and they have to take some actions uh, before time's running out? Uh, Because we all know that the change in attitude and the rhetoric and symbolism uh, can be given fairly easily and quickly, but building up a combat-ready force to uh, defend or hedge against China uh, takes a long time. Uh, For example, those weapons that uh, Taiwan purchased and, and Japan purchased does not equal the capabilities that they have right now, does not equal to the combat readiness uh, that the two countries have right now or in the near future. Uh, It it takes takes time for the weapons to arrive. It takes the uh, organizations to figure out how to use them, develop doctrines, training, and set up logistics. It takes years if not decades. So there's this gap between combat ready and the overwhelming pressure that China is is receiving, the signals that China is is receiving. It's up to Beijing to interpret what this signal means and how they want to react uh, based on the signals that they receive.
2: Lots of actions, counteractions, a lot of... Opportunity for misunderstanding. A lot to see in the future. Thank you, Arno and Euster, for that discussion. I'm sure there will be future parts to this as, as this continues to unfold. Thanks again.
0: Thank you for listening to iScan in Conversation. If you want to know more about today's topic, check out iScanGroup.com. Follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter and hit the subscribe button.